you know what? If you're going to start a company, there's a function. doesn't matter what your company is. You could be making screws. You could find a way to make sure that a percentage of your screws that you make go to one of these amazing organizations on the ground that rebuilds, you know, homes in Nepal or Mexico after an earthquake or whatever it is. A portion of the proceeds go, you're all of a sudden, you're a good company. And that money, you're allowing consumers to participate in a solution in society. So why wouldn't you want to do that? So to me, it's never been more important for all of us, but for your own success in terms of marketing and advertising, what you're doing. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. And we are live. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. You're the founder at Empowered. Um, but before I jump into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory of who you are and uh, what you're up to. Well, since it's 2020, I'll start with I'm um, a human being. <laughs> um, outside of all the social constructs applied on all of us in a horrible way. Um, empathetic because of a wonderful upbringing from progressive parents that are no longer here, but uh, lived through me and my, my siblings. Um, I'm a New Yorker. I've been here my entire life, literally a New Yorker. <laughs> um, and I'm sticking it out even with what's going on. Um, no, no, not leaving, just trying to solve. Um, I'm a surfer. I'm a basketball player. I'm an entrepreneur. I've had 30 plus jobs. So a varied career. Um, everything from finance to marketing to sales. Um, to my own businesses, um, all the way back to being a delivery boy for a grocery store when I grew up. Again, as I said, my parents were great, so they made me work. Um, I think that work ethic has led me to kind of where I am today, um, Empowered, um, which is a fantastic organization that we founded um, in 2012. And it's a B Corp and a benefit corporation. And I just feel proud to be a part of. Um, a vehicle for change, an instrument for good at a time when that is so necessary for all of us uh, individually, the private sector, uh, NGOs, doesn't matter. I mean, I wish I could say governments, but you know, they need to sort of step up their game a little bit right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Thanks for sharing that, uh, John. Uh, I just wanted to quickly step back. Uh, you said you worked 30 jobs uh, before you eventually found your companies and I could definitely relate to that. Sometimes I feel like a square peg in a, in a round hole sometimes, but uh -huh. uh, how are you able to make that transition from kind of the traditional nine to five to uh, your own businesses? Yeah. Um, so I guess the nine to fives I had were with Heartland payment systems or with ABC news, with AP digital, you know, those were really huge corporations. Um, you know, I made the change because um, it didn't feel right for me. Um, you said, uh, I think, a square peg in a, in a round hole, one of the two. Uh, but I just felt kind of like a cog in, in a wheel, but it wasn't my wheel. Um, this is a weird time to say this because I think the fourth estate and the media are incredibly important, but not completely aligned at the time 
Uh, at least I was working on the foreign desk. I was an executive producer for Associated Press, not, not entirely aligned uh, with my beliefs um, in humanity. Um, it was very sort of nationalistic. It was very sort of, there was, um, there was Pentagon briefings at the time. It was during, I'm dating myself, it was during the first Iraq war and they were being put out as news. And for me, that at the time seemed crazy and nationalistic. And, you know, it's not news if it's an unfiltered Pentagon briefing. Um, to today, I mean, I hearken back to the great times, Pentagon briefings. Those were great. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but for me, um, the transition occurred because I get antsy. Um, and, um, you know, I think the most important, there's two things. One is get out, you know, get out there, talk to people. Uh, and two is work hard. Three is luck. Um, so you have to try really hard um, and then hope that, you know, your network, your skill sets, uh, the people around you, your environment settle in. And for me, I, I've been lucky, frankly. I've been lucky to be able to do so many different things. I've done a tech company. Uh, I've been a consultant. I've directed nightclubs and event spaces in New York. I mean, I, I could just, I've worked in restaurants all the way from, you know, busboy all the way up to expediter. Uh, I've done everything you can imagine. Um, but for me, it's just about being fearless of change, accepting change, wanting change, finding change interesting. Um, but I have been with Empowered for eight plus years. So a nice home right now. Uh, and we are, you know, doing a lot right now in terms of the environment and the human condition around the world. Four million, four million lives impacted to date um, in emerging markets and emergency situations with 14 person staff and two million plus um, uh, tons of CO2 averted. And so for us, you know, we feel like we're making a difference. Um, and it's just, it's just, uh, this feels better for me. So a job with a purpose, you can call it social impact. You can call it for purpose and call it a B Corp. I call it uh, a good company that's actually solving a problem, you know, versus, I don't know, betting on options or puts or, you know, derivatives. I, I'd rather, I think I'm being long winded, but I do that. Sorry. But Adam Smith, when he came up with capitalism, there is no real capitalism, you know, and I don't think lobbying was part of it. I think it was more about, um, so there's a problem. Someone needs to eat. So you open a grocery store and you get rewarded for feeding your community. And to me, that's all we're doing. We're feeding a global community with tools uh, that they need light, um, clean light from solar power and mobile connectivity. Absolutely. I love that. I love companies that solve a problem and also help the environment and help society. I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Thank you. Um, but yeah, take me back. How, I, I know you guys came out with the Lucy, uh, was it 2012? Um, what was that process like um, starting Empowered? So what were some of like, the initial um, yeah. challenges and sure. experiences? Uh, everything was a challenge. Um, you know, you want your own business, you think, oh, I'll just, you know, kick back, I have my own business. No, nah, you actually have to do everything. Um, <laughs> and so we funded the company um, by ourselves initially, um, not knowing if we'd get our few thousand dollars that we put into the company back. Um, it was relationship driven. We then went to angel investors, which was also difficult. Um, because you're asking people that you know to trust you with their 
hard-earned uh, funds. Uh, and then we went to um, uh, a vastly different structure. We were at WeWork when that was still a flourishing organization for obvious reasons, a good model until COVID hit. Um, we, we moved from WeWork to a real office. We increased our staff, our headcount from something like six to at one point, I think we were over 20. Uh, we're now down to, to 14. Um, from the very beginning, we found it as a B Corp and a benefit corporation. That made it easier. It was a softer hit in terms of asking people for money because um, people were investing not just in profit and, and sort of growth revenue, but in impact. Um, and it gives you leeway to make a difference. And so our business model, that brings me to our business model, is such that, you know, the more we can sell at high margins in retail in the developed world sector, US, Europe, you know, Asia, etc., the more we have the ability to reduce those margins on ourselves, reduce the prices and costs, to hyper-localize it to people in um, a natural disaster, like in Puerto Rico um, or California, Mexico, you pick it, India, doesn't matter, uh, where our lights are at every natural disaster that's happened. Um, or to build capacity in developmental, programmatic, you know, working with 700 plus NGOs from the UN on down. Um, our lights are in Afghanistan with Save the Children today, as an example, but Sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, Central and South America, and a lot of the refugee crises, um, and the Caribbean, primarily on a lot of the, um, the really tough storms that have hit uh, due to climate change. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, scaling a business to that, to that size and impact is definitely not a short, short feat. Um, you mentioned work ethics, one of your core foundations. Um, one thing, a lot of entrepreneurs I talk to and myself also, uh, we go through burnout. Um, but for you, John, how, how do you manage, do you get burnout or how do you manage, how do you manage that? All right. So pre COVID, um, um, uh, my dad worked really hard. My mom worked really hard. My mom raised four of us. My parents were psychologists. They lived on the Upper West Side. They put everyone to college. I mean, you couldn't even do that these days. It's not, it's, those jobs don't allow, allow for that, afford for that. Um, but they worked really hard. And, I, and I, I didn't, frankly. In high school, I was an F up, right? I mean, I was just cutting school, writing graffiti. I didn't care. I, I didn't understand the value of work. I didn't understand the value of money, the value of responsibility, none of it. I grew up in New York. Thankfully I played basketball, so I didn't get into too much trouble. Um, but my parents work ethic must've hit me at some point because for some reason I work incredibly hard. Um, and, um, maybe it was sports too, basketball. You know, I get very competitive. You know, I played in the PSAL from Manhattan center, a little shout out. Um, you know, I, I I think for me, I don't, I don't burn out under normal circumstances. Um, when there's a vacuum, I fill it. When there's an opportunity, I attack it. When there's a challenge, I turn it into an opportunity. Um, same with problems. So I, I think you have a mindset of going into like a, a game, a uh, sport, um, and instilled way behind here somewhere in my soul and my heart. Like I, I, I'm going to continue to work. My dad, we have a beach house. We have a beach house in Long Island on, on teacher salaries, basically. My dad was the head of science 
for the American Psychological Association. And my mother was responsible for millions of dollars of grants for public school kids who were being abused at home. So that was the good side of it, but they worked so hard. And so when they, we were at the beach, they were working and raising us, like writing books. I mean, at the beach, I wasn't writing a book, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but now I am, now I'm, now I'm doing not a book, but I just I have this thing that follows and attacks me at all times. So I'm always working. Um, and I think when you do start to see even the little semblance of a reward, it, it motivates you and you keep going and keep going. And on the toughest days in reference to empowered, I think this goes for our entire, you know, 14 people, everyone that's worked before us too. You know, it's hard. We're, it's, it's a globalized, we're in the lantern market, right? It's a globalized, it's Coleman lanterns, these massive lanterns out there. And, and we're fighting on knockoffs on Alibaba, you know, with, with no real regulation. We have so many patents, tens of tens of patents, but it doesn't help unless you prosecute them. People are going to steal your product. People are going to globalize the market. It's really difficult. And most of the protections are for large corporations. So when you have issues and challenges, what do you do? Well, we are in a for-purpose company. We're in a company that's actually solving a problem. So it feels great because from our marketing team, we hear so much. We hear so many stories. We have people write in that were, you know, in severe situations, elderly people that used our light to signal for help, you know, in, in the U.S. We've had, you know, kids in Haiti who've been in horrible situations, who couldn't learn, couldn't go to school, go to school, learn, become honor students. I mean, it, it, the stories are, are boundless. Um, and you just hearken back in your mind to those situations and you suck it up. And as a New Yorker, you say, you know what? Deal with it. You know what I mean? I'm okay. I told my son, he's three. I said, tap your chest and say, I'm okay. And that's what you do. And as an entrepreneur, there's no easy street. Like you're going to be, you're going to be hit with everything. And when you're on the ground, you be kicked, but you get up, you deal with it. And you do that. Um, in my case, 80% of our team, because we, we surveyed our team, work at the company for the mission, 20% to make themselves better. And that's great too, right? So that's what you do. You dig in deep, you either pull it from yourself or you pull it from what you're doing. And it's a lot easier to work a lot harder and a lot longer if you're doing something for people. And it's, it's empowering, uh, pun I guess intended subconsciously, <laughs> but it is, it's very empowering and it feels good. So you've had a tough day, but you go home and you know you got someone light in Africa or Papua New Guinea or wherever it is that just needed a tool, needed to step up, you know, to try to, to, try to be something uh, and do something with their life and be healthy and not choose between darkness or health, right? Kerosene lights. Um, so for me, I think with Empowered, uh, it's a lot easier. In the past, I just, I don't know, I work hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Have that resilience um, and really, really ride for your mission. Um, I love that, John. You mentioned and that, and that's not just me, right? I want to make sure I give a shout out to my team because I'll just be real tangential and real quick, but long winded. Um, uh, it's important to mention that five people at our company contracted COVID uh, early in February, March in New York. We were at the epicenter. Thankfully, we're at New York and most people wear masks, wear masks. Um, and, you know, my CEO and myself were basically out of it. 
and the team, you know, really took it on, uh, worked hard and now we're remote and we decided no more office. You know, it's better for the environment. It's better for people's health. It's better for the people themselves to be able to like be with their families at a time like this, um, transportation, right. In terms of the environment. And I think like what's really important is it's, it's about everyone's mentality. It's not just my mentality. Right. And we all lift each other up and, and you're a team. And so once you get to having a team, it becomes a little easier. You're like a family, you know? Absolutely. It's the people you surround yourself with. Totally. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to ask you, John, was uh, you mentioned all these challenges from a, from a small brand trying to take over or launch into a new market or a, the lantern market in your, in your case. Yeah. Uh, but what, Make a little dent. Make a little dent. <laughs> make a little dent. Exactly. Uh, but what sort of advice would you give somebody wanting to launch their own brands, um, into, into a new market? Yeah. So, um, I think you have to have sort of a ridiculously, um, I mean, I mean, potentially like unrealistic belief in yourself, um, that you can, or you will be successful. Um, but also that, you're doing it because you enjoy the work. You enjoy what you're doing. And I don't, I don't want to be any one of these cliche, but yeah, you got to enjoy what you do or you're not going to be successful. That's not actually always true, right? Sometimes you're born into generational wealth. That's a whole other thing. So that, these wide statements don't really, they don't really amount to anything. But it is important that you um, know what you're getting into, that you have resilience, that you're ready. Um, that you're going to understand that you're not always the smartest person in the room, even though you might think you are going in, believe me, you're not, uh, and surround yourself with people that are, um, dedicated, that are smart, um, that are resilient, that have your back, you have their back, that you see eye to eye strategically, that you see eye to eye in the way you communicate, um, morally, uh, all these things are important that you want to spend time with the people you're working with, that your investors are in not just for money, but for strategy. Um, and they also believe in you. I think it's a, it's a, it's a robust answer. It's not a simple answer. Right. And it's not about, um, it's not about me per se, as usual, like none of this is, it's not about you. If you think it's about you, it's really about the voyage and finding a way to be motivated and somewhat enjoy that voyage. Um, and then it doesn't matter if you're successful or not. You're out there doing things. There's plenty of studies. If you don't have the happy gene, which I don't know if I have because I grew up as a pessimistic New Yorker turned optimist because I couldn't take it. Um, I, I think if you don't have the happy gene, you have to enjoy the voyage. That's what life is. That's what happiness is. And there's tons of studies on it. It's not that end goal. There's plenty of miserable rich people. So that's not what it's about. Absolutely. I love that you said that, John. It's about the process and really loving the process, not just yep. the potential gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, I can tell you enjoy the process. I mean, that's, <laughs> this is bringing us both joy right here. So that's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I love connecting with other entre awesome entrepreneurs like yourself. Um, you, you mentioned really having that motivation and resilience. Um, but what, what would you say in terms of brand qualities? Like what what makes a great brand uh, in your eyes, John? Great question and very applicable to the times. Uh, so a great brand in the past, you solve a problem, you have a lot of money, you get it on the Super Bowl ad and you're good. Now it's very different, uh, right? 
Um, it's segmented. Uh, it's digital. Um, you need authenticity. You need um, ambassadors and influencers, um, super fans, um, people that really believe in what you're doing that will choose to buy your product versus a million other options out there. Even if you have patents, we have knockoffs. Even if we didn't have knockoffs, we have people that changed a screw over here. They're not a knockoff, right? There's tons of competition now. I think what you need to do now is very different. Right now, um, you have to create a company that people believe in. So it used to be you got to get closest to the consumer. Everyone's always known that in traditional advertising. Well, now you almost have to be aligned with the consumer. Um, consumers are looking to support companies and buy products from companies or services where the company aligns with their morality uh, more and more, thankfully. Because if that wasn't happening right now, Lord knows where we'd be. Um, you should vote. You have to vote this year. Vote or don't even talk to me. Um, but you can vote with your money. You can support a company that does good things like a Tom's, right? Or a Ben and Jerry's or a Patagonia, right? You can support companies that do good. Um, empower, plug, right? You, you can do, there's so many Catadine. There's so many companies that they do water filters. They get water filters all over the world to so many natural disasters. Similarly with our model, um, they make a lot of money with developed world people that can afford it. And then they make sure they give that tool of clean water to people that need it. And that's the same thing we do. There's so many companies that give back Bombas socks. I mean, it doesn't matter. You always have a choice. So I think, I think now more than ever as a company thinks through what you're doing, you can make a difference while you pay your rent. Right. And, and those two things will bring you joy. Um, you know, once COVID hits, now you got to be resilient. Now you got to pivot. Now you got to figure out, you know, all of our brick and mortar closed and may close again. If, as my son says, knuckleheads, I got no problem saying it won't wear masks. I mean, I never thought I'd be in a time and I'm very frank, as you can say, I never thought I'd be in a time where someone would say, I'm not going to do something like wear a mask that doctors and construction workers wear every day to save your grandmother's life for any reason. There's no reason. Like if your grandmother was dying, I would help her. And that's basically what people are choosing not to do all over the country. And so right now it's really, really important. You know what? If you're going to start a company, there's a function. doesn't matter what your company is. You could be making screws. You could find a way to make sure that a percentage of your screws that you make go to one of these amazing organizations on the ground that rebuilds, you know, homes in Nepal or Mexico after an earthquake or whatever it is. Uh, or domestically. In California, help rebuild people's houses. You donate the screws there. A portion of the proceeds go, you're all of a sudden, you're a good company. And that money, you're allowing consumers to participate in a solution in society. So why wouldn't you want to do that? So to me, you know, that resonates with consumers. Now, Unilever is a B Corp. I mean, give me a break. If Unilever is a B Corp, you know, that's saying that that's where advertising is. And it's more importantly, it's saying that's where the consumer is. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. No offense to Unilever. They're doing great. Thankfully, they do that. I hope P&G follows suit and does the same thing. You know, but that's important. 
Um, and, and it's never been more important for all of us, but for your own success in terms of marketing and advertising, what you're doing. Absolutely. I think I read on your LinkedIn profile, actually, that doing good is the right way to do business. And I totally want to echo that too. I think why not do good? <laughs> What's the other option? What's the alternative? Just do yeah. good and be a good. Hey, hey, if you have a bad month and you did good, you know what? Your investors will be a little more patient with you. Not fully, be a little <laughs> more patient with you. But if that's something that they align with, they'll understand it. Why were the margins so low this month? Well, we put 100,000 lights into Puerto Rico in three months. Understand why the quarter might have been where it was. We appreciate what you did. Yeah, but I will say you can, and we do, create impact as a business model. So we don't give things away. Uh, and we have, but we don't generally as a rule because what you're doing is if we just gave tons of lanterns away to a community, well, no one could sell lanterns and you're disrupting that economy and you're being the great Western hope or the great uh, low melanin hope, right? I don't, I don't buy into any of that, right? For us, what we want to do is we want to sell at a reasonable price, a localized price that a woman in Africa can buy and resell and create a business and then become just as strong in the community as the men who traditionally own cattle. And so for us, it's thought out, it's strategic, and it's about building capacity. And that's very important. So our business model is fully integrated. We're a B Corp on steroids. Um, you buy a light from us, you're helping us do good automatically. <laughs> I say that because much of it is done digitally. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, yeah, I love your transparency and just frankness, John. Um, the, the one question I would love to get your insight on, uh, I think would be interesting, would be what's one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? That I never get asked. Uh, that's, that's one right there. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess, I guess for me, sometimes people sort of uh, steer away from, you know, what do you think of sort of the structure of business uh, in the U.S., as an example? The U.S. is a leader in the world in business, right? Biggest economy by far. I think for me... I'd like to be asked more about like authenticity and sincerity in what the U.S. is doing. And I think the United States, as great as it is, we're not number one in, in many categories. Uh, I don't know if we ever were, but we're definitely not now. That doesn't mean I'm not, you know, proud to be a New Yorker and, you know, happy and lucky and grateful to be here in the United States. But it means that we have a shared responsibility with that power, that economic power we have to make the world better. And although there are some companies doing it, not enough. Um, I would say at this point, probably 10 to 20% of our politicians are not public servants and are in it um, for the next opportunity when they get out and get paid by their lobbying groups. I think um, similarly, um, in business, people's motivations in society, people's motivations are around excessive wealth and idolatry. And I think we've got to figure out a way to raise a different next generation. So for me, I think the United States um, is responsible for its own actions, but it's also responsible because of its position and our 
business, private sector is so strong. When I say the United States, you might as well, you might as well say the corporation of the United States because we're sort of one in the same with many of these large corporations. It's really important to make sure that we are helping, that we are doing things in general, not, not just empowered, but the larger corporations that pay zero taxes. I mean, can you imagine? Like right now, the state of where we are is so me. And Muhammad Ali, he, we're not sure if it was an actual thing that happened, but it's been said that he was at a Harvard commencement and they asked him for you know, the shortest poem. And he said, me, we. And I would almost flip that and say, we, me, because we are more important than me. And it's not instilled here. And on every level in our society, on every issue, if you look at it, if you just kind of looked at we, right, you'd lose all this, these horrible social constructs, all of the racism, all of the horrible things that happen, the xenophobia. If you looked at we, um, and you looked at the environment and globally as we, and the United States doesn't do enough of this, the private sector doesn't do enough of this, we could do that. We don't. Let's just be straight up. There are exceptions. There are good companies. There are some good politicians. But in general, we care about us, ourselves. We don't care about the, the welfare of everyone. And there's a lot of religious people. I'm not religious. I don't know why they don't care about we, because it's supposed to be taught. There's a lot of liberal progressives. They're supposed to care about we, but they don't always. There's a lot of people that are supposedly conservative care about budgets and, you know, being careful for we, and they don't do that. So at some point, I'd like to talk more about we and not me, because everything ends up being one pundit versus another, one party versus another, one company versus another, one person versus another. Whereas there's just much more similarity and much more we could do together to help each other. I mean, our government could do one less plane that bombs you know, people or one less drone, I guess these days that bombs people and take that money and do a hundred thousand wells into a country that would uplift their economy. that would then be able to create easier tariffs and, and import actual trade deals. And then it would be better for empowered because we get product from another country that needs to be able to make the product that can afford to make the product, which then you and everyone who's a consumer would have to pay less money, but not on the backs of workers that are having slave labor. Again, we, just we. I'd like to be asked more about, you know, what we can do, not what I can do always, but what we can do collectively. And we can do a lot more and we don't. And we should look at our proverbial selves in the mirror and step up and do more um, as a society, not just for ourselves, but for that other person's grandmother, just wear a mask, simple, and vote for we, for us, vote in our self-interest, not necessarily yours, not necessarily your tax break. So that's how I look at it. That's what I'd like to talk more about. I think I just did. <laughs> no, I appreciate that though, John. Um, back to kind of the sports reference. Teamwork makes the dream work, and I definitely think yeah, we're all in this together, and we have to be a team at the end of the day. Yeah, um, well, we are a team, whether we like it or not. Exactly. A point guard's not passing the ball. You know, you're losing. <laughs> exactly. Are you? Uh, just a quick side note. Are you? A, are you a Knicks fan, Ben? 
Whoa, that's a question I didn't want to be asked publicly. Some of my friends would kill me right now. Um, So I was a Nick fan from Bernard King on, right? And through the Patrick Ewing era, you know, and and just, man, my heart, my soul, everything went into the Knicks. But I will will say something that I'll usually do. I'll point a finger, not a we, but at a person. James Dolan, (laughs) right? If you can't attract talent to New York City, uh, then you're doing something wrong. I think he treats it as a business for himself and not a team that could benefit the city and the fans. And at this point, I follow talent. I was a huge Michael Jordan fan while I was a Knicks fan. I wanted Jordan to score 100 and the Knicks to win. But now, you know, I like Kobe. I love them. Um, as a basketball player, you learn from watching really great, great players. You know, I watch LeBron now. I, I, you know, people could say you're a fair weather fan. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fanatic. I'm not a team. Um, I don't look at a team and say, oh, I only like the Lakers. I only like the Knicks because to me, I like greatness. I like, I like, and I like teams that are great. I like people that are great. And the NBA is filled with incredible talent. And I just like to watch, I pick the best players so that I enjoy it and get myself out of my day. I pick the best friends. So I have good people around me. You know, I pick the best job I can, whatever I, I you know, I can do. I, best podcast, but you make the decisions and it doesn't change for me in sports and you won't get me in the decision, a situation where you're talking about the goat, the greatest of all time, because you can't do that. There is no greatest of all time. There's just greatness. And I will say on this subject, just to circle back, you look at LeBron James and the greatest thing he does is speak out and use his voice and his platform. Carmelo Anthony um, speaks out too. And Carmelo Anthony introduced me through Twitter to a group called Project I Am, which a little boy, I don't know, he's like 13, 14, I don't know, he's young. Like 10 or 11, he started that organization. 50,000 blessing bags he's given out to homeless people. And so Empower gives him lights that corporations or people like you have helped support. And he's an incredible kid. He's a CNN wonder. So um, he's done an incredible job. Um, and even today, I have a friend who has a, a garage filled with 50,000 three-ply masks. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get them to Project I Am for free, and he's going to give them out. We, we. That's what it is, man. That's it. Nothing else. Wow. That's amazing, man. That kid is amazing. Jaquiel Jackson. Jaquiel. Incredible. Incredible. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. It's, we have a blog on him right now, actually. You can okay. look, look him up on our, on our site, empowered.com. Empowered.com. Yeah. Speaking of which, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, John. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online or even learn more about Empowered and sure. really supporting you guys and you guys' mission? Sure. The one thing that we did do when we started the company uh, was make a really tricky name. So it's M-P-O-W-E-R-D, empowered.com. Um, for trademark purposes, of course. Um, but go there. Uh, you can find me there. You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, John Salzinger. Um, but I'd rather you go to our site. You know, I'd rather you buy a light so that it helps other people. If you want to connect on the business development front, sure, LinkedIn is a great place on an NGO front, on a mission, on an impact front. Um, the company does uh, a ton of amicus briefs. We're very politically involved. So if you want to talk about that, we're happy to do that. If you're another brand, we work with other brands to work together to build each other up. Again, it's we. Um, but please vote. 
I would say, please vote this year. That's an important thing to do. Vote early, you know, vote safely, but vote early. Yeah. Don't let anyone take away your right to vote. Exactly. No, I love that. And I usually like to end the podcast, uh, since it's, this is a marketing and branding podcast, we like to end it with uh, the guests saying a word or a phrase to describe their brand. So my last question to you, John, is what's one word or phrase to describe your brand? Uh, two words, no victimization, right? Because people just need tools. We're just people. They just need tools. They're not victims. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.